Thank you for joining us tonight in the Creepypasta Book Club, the podcast where we read, analyze, and discuss significant creepypastas, no sleeps, and web horror flash fiction. We are your hosts, Jonah and Wednesday. And today we are discussing psychosis. But before we jump in, this week's book club community spotlight. Today we are shining Countess Pasta, a creepypasta reader, bringing you scary stories from a nice lady with a face for radio. Inspired by Little Fears, her goal is to read unique and lesser-known pastas, as well as some of her own, in an ongoing, unfolding narrative. Check out Countess Pasta on YouTube, as well as her landing page for original fiction, The Ink Sepulchre. Thank you so much, Countess Pasta, for being part of the book club. So Psychosis follows a man named John and his attempts to go outside after spending several days inside coding for work, and he becomes paranoid after realizing he hasn't seen anyone face-to-face in days. Uh, He tries to get into contact with his friends over the phone and receives a startling message through email. He sets up a camera in the hall and communicates with his friend Amy through the camera, but he becomes increasingly suspicious that he's being spied on and that this Amy is some kind of imposter. In his paranoia, John smashes up all of his electronics and, after a psychiatrist and police come to his home to collect him, claiming he's experiencing symptoms of mass hysteria cyberpsychosis, he blinds himself. In the epilogue, we discover that John is in an asylum, still refusing to believe that the doctors or nurses or Amy are real people. And he turns out to be right, uh, because something is controlling the bodies of humans and trying to wear down all of the survivors for reasons that we don't get any sort of clear explanation for, but, you know... He, he he was right the whole time, I guess. So this one is one that I was actually not familiar with before uh, we started prepping for this podcast. This was one Wednesday that you recommended that I had not even heard of before. Yeah, I, I brought it up. Like, when was it put up? I don't think I date-checked. Uh, so I'm not sure I would consider it foundational because it's a, maybe a bit older, maybe not. But it's, like, one of those that, like... Just sort of significant? Yeah, I... I'm not sure i call this, like, foundational, but if it's, like, the ethos and, like, horror I chase after in, like, my own work... This came out in late 2010. Yeah, so, like, on the edge of being a foundational story, but, like, late in that, I guess. Like, what I think it does, does it really in, like, an elegant sort of way. And, like, yeah, the ending blows, like, major eggs. But I found this read-through that I hated it less than, like, I normally... Like, I, like my memory <laughs> of it was more intense than, like, revisiting it. But, like, it yeah. still should have ended at the confrontation. Like, everything after it weakens it. But the first, like, pull-away where it's, like, him writing his final letter, like, if you wanted to end it there and still have that kind of doll and write up story finish that's fine but like the point of view where it like switches to the doctor really really weakens it i think yeah i think i think it undermines the whole thing i mean one to learn that he's like in an asylum and he's blinded himself and then we yeah. get the pov switch to the doctor literally just to be a shock twist ending yeah that's the only reason that we get that i call i call the shock twist like to be more egregious in my head but i guess like <laughs> after that was bad then, and now it's like, oh, this is less schlocky and awful than, like, other things that are <laughs> popular now that are schlocky and awful. I think the author intended to do, like, a double speak here. Like, it's really obvious he's like, yes, OP is right, but there's, a, like, a like a, a little bit of, like, you can almost be like, he is attempting to use these words not for correctness of form, but for, like, metaphor it doesn't work a hundred percent but it's like the attempt is there to have created more ambiguity even though it doesn't like get it i i I could not get over the absolute cornball factor of of the doctor's perspective being like and of course he was insane uh, because because any sane person would have fallen for the deception years ago (laughs) it's like oh my god i hate you Okay, like, the story comes out at a time when it was, like, older creepypastas, like, the proto-pastas before they were even called that and stuff, were giving way to people realizing they can use this platform for their writing, 
And I think the story struggles with the identity of that. Like, this person's trying to f- make it feel like the stories that are coming out, which were all, like, not good stories. And, like, the <laughs> stories that we had, like, already had, which were, you can see, like, the influence in the earlier part of the story with those. Like, in like in what way are you thinking? Like, first off, this person doesn't think about how we're getting this delivered to us, which I think yeah. is, a really, is a flaw in a lot of older, like, early net stories. Mm-hmm. But also, like, a major flaw in modern ones, but this has, like, not thinking about it in that way. Yeah, like, like not thinking about it at all. Like, yeah. why? There's, there's no attempt at immersion in this. It, like, the concept is the OP decided that this person develops, like, an mm-hmm. anxiety around technology and smashes up all of their electronics. So, you have to have a situation where he is writing on paper, because otherwise it does not make sense for him to continue writing the story. And, like, the person who's writing this realizes they need an extra layer. So you can get the idea that maybe the doctor has written this down for the viewer to support, like, continued insanity. But, like, all it needed was, like, oh, I am OP writing this down and posting this. A different person. I found this shoved in, like, a book. Or I just rented an apartment and here are these papers. That's really weird, huh? You know? <laughs> like, I needed, like, a, just, like, an extra thing. It's, it's funny because, like, this came out, like, like, I noted that this came out really, really close to Ben Drowned. Yeah. And, like, you can feel, I think some, like, so much of Ben Drowned revolves around the idea of, like, being watched through your computer, that there is something, like, inside mm-hmm. your technology that is betraying you in some way, mm-hmm. and and that is betraying the audience as well. And, like, I feel like this person wanted to do the same kind of thing, yeah. but was like, oh, no, that's too similar to Ben Drowned, yeah. and, like, had to change it up in a way that ended up being very unsuccessful. Yeah. Oh, I guess you can call it foundational then. I guess I don't have, like, a strong sense of when <laughs> these things came out. Yeah, I guess, I yeah, like, this is, like, a, a foundational adjacent story to me. Like, I have, like, a bunch of things. This person gets this apartment without, like, a lot of light, right? And, like, fucks up their circadian rhythm and, like, makes them, like, you know, lose yeah. grounding and all that stuff. And, like... It has a really nice, like, future-proofing element that, like, s- like really solid sci-fis have. Yeah, it's like, this could still take place today. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to have taken place in 2010. Even though technology has changed so much since then, you know, we still have webcams, we still have computers, we still have phones, and he's not specific about any of these things. Yeah. So it, it, it still is, like... it's. I think it's really cool that this person works and like he isn't like a writer he isn't like a whatever he's like an it guy and it's about like the encroachment of technology on like our privacy and like our connection it's like our connection to like other people and like what's artifice and what's like a meaningful connection i think there's a bit of like technology is scary and these connections are artificial (laughs) in it but i don't think it goes there in a way that can be read that goes there you know what i mean yeah like i don't think the intent at any point is like technology is inherently bad it is about bad actors using technology yeah like he says he even says something like i know that people can use it in this way like it gives him like a basis for his freak out yeah yeah because he because he's like oh like i i have all of this it experience i'm like a computers guy i know all the ways that people can get into your system and fuck with your computer and like learn information about you i think that's a really cool like way to have approached it yeah and like okay the ending undermines something i like in the like i guess in my mind i like to split the end part and the body part away from each other because the end undermines a thing I really like is that Amy is a character he likes. And it's not, like, weird. Yeah, like, hey, wish they could have just been, like, friends without it being a whole thing where it's like, oh, I've secretly been in love with her all the time and I've been waiting for her to love me back. Like, like that's lame. That sucks, man. 
like even in text like sometimes you get this in stories posted online on places mm. where the woman is like oh we're madly in love with her but she's a bitch with gross skin or whatever like amy's <laughs> just like amy is like a friend he likes and some of the horror here is the fear that your friend is outgrowing you i think and like your friend circle is outgrowing mm. you because he reaches back to the nostalgia of like meeting amy and being kids and stuff but now amy's yeah. going to like parties without him and like having a life that's outside of his like like he's a, like a private it person and she's at a, a loud party yeah he's like a kind of a shut-in yeah and she's like social and at a party and like the fear of like losing that i think is also at like the center of the story yeah, like, there's there's a lot of sort of the subtext of the story that I think is good and that I think is solid. It's just, like, the the technical aspects yeah. of the story, like, like, the physical bones of it, I think, are, like, very bad. Like, I think the, the writing itself just gets so overdone because it's... Th- th- there's parts of, like, one of the things that stuck out to me is, like, ab- about the party thing, mm-hmm. right? I was like, oh, yeah, that that that's a really good little detail that he inserts about how he's like, oh, she said that she was at a party, but I didn't hear anything behind her. Mm-hmm. But, like, that was such a clumsy way of reintroducing it. Where yeah. like, he waits until he's sort yeah. of reminiscing on it to be like, oh, here's something that I, that I just realized now, thinking back on it. Which is, like, that's silly. Like, that's a very unsubtle, weird way of phrasing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody would write it like that. I'd be interested in seeing, like this person's more recent writing because like this Mm. just feels like there's some stuff that's like really i think there's some like this person can create like an image scape like really solid without relying too much on like extremity of language or whatever like you can like get like the building and stuff and they often keep things in like maintained like environment there but like that, that there, and like the wha- the unnecessarily waxing about like the hallway he goes into. Yeah, <laughs> like, like like I copied a sentence down into my notes because I was like, this is so egregious. Like, this yeah, is, like you cannot write like this and expect me to take it seriously. Yeah, as like an account that someone is writing as yeah, like a yeah. diary when they are a person who, as far as we know, does not keep a diary normally. Like the yeah, yeah, it's too much piling on the adjectives. I. I I want to read the line. Oh, please. As I stood there in the dim hallway listening to the rain, I had the strange fleeting impression that the doors were standing like silent granite monolith erected by some ancient forgotten civilization for some unfathomable guardian purpose. What are you fucking talking about? Nobody... (gasps) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, it's so out of character and out of, like, sync of the other stuff that's, like, nice in this thing. Like, the old vending machine scenes are really nice. Like, the heaviness of the door is often really nice. And, like... This feels just like it, it's overwritten. It's overwritten in a way yeah. that kind of undersells the character stuff because it's like this does not seem like a person who would think like this, write those things. Yeah, think those things. This is a hey. This guy's a stem bro. You yeah, know, <laughs> not, like not to like generalize, but like they don't think in abstractions generally. Yeah. Like, or if like you're trying to sell the idea of this person being a stem bro, you have to, like, exaggerate the fact that they're stem bro. It's just, like, a character, you know? Yeah, so I'd be interested in seeing if this person has written more and, like, developed beyond this, because there's, like, a, was, like yeah. a good amount of stuff that's structurally sound and has nice, like, flow, and then there's stuff that's not. So, like, <laughs> I, during this read-through, I was like, hey, I wonder if they improved on this or not in the other yeah. direction because like it feels like the like the link between this split evolution of writing styles like there, there's a conversation that has been going on in horror lately about like how to handle mental health mm-hmm. and particularly like psychosis and delusions and stuff like this and it's like yeah it's not, okay okay it's not great that's this called is one of like the least egregious <laughs> like portrayals of psychosis that i've seen in horror honestly yeah. and it's called psycho it's literally it's literally called psychosis and it manages to be less junky than stuff that's trying to be <laughs> sensitive 
while also being about a mental breakdown this person's having. Yeah, it's 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 about a mental breakdown where he's right and there's aliens. Yeah, you know. Oh, I have a I have a note about cosmic horror and like in a lot of these stories we cover, there's like an underpinning of that without it being overstated. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that the ones we pick out keep like reaching back to that. And I also like that he made up a disease and mental illness or whatever. <laughs> For the story, the cyber psychosis. Yeah, it's like that's kind of cool. Not gonna lie, like if I was watching something, I think it would be pretty dope. I mean, I read it and thought it was pretty dope. <laughs> cyber psychosis, like it, it, it probably reminds you a little bit of it as well. But like, it really made me think of the movie Cairo. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I Pulse? wrote that down. Pulse. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna bring it up. It literally feels, yeah, it feels like this movie. For, for, for people who haven't, who, who aren't familiar with it, Cairo is a, it's a Japanese horror film about basically like a website that makes you kill yourself, more or less. And it becomes this sort of suicide pandemic where like people are trying to reach out through through the internet to one another and 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 it's about you know technology and isolation and mental health epidemics and like it's it's a really beautiful really stark oh movie. my god watch it yeah that, that's your homework if you're listening to this right now is go watch cairo don't watch pulse do not watch the american remake oh no 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 <laughs> you have to watch the watch watch the original one first and then go watch the american one after you watch the original <laughs> one and then watch the original one again and like i think the american version is like the perfect americanization of something like this because it points out all our like flaws and our like horror it is it is the most american horror movie that has ever been made it's so in in the worst way in the worst way yeah but the the og um pulse is like it's, it has a lot of yes it's like it's it's about everything that jenna said it's about it's just really just elegant and like if i stuck a blender inside you no blender what are these called the the things you can beat batter with an egg beater hand mixer if i put a hand mixer inside you and turned it on that's how it feels to watch that movie (laughs) it's it's very quiet and slow and cold like there's there's not a lot of stories that capture the same kind of of feeling like we were oh we were just talking about um like the early parts of dogscape right a couple episodes ago like 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 the first couple logs of dogscape like gives me a similar kind of feeling yes. to watching cairo to a lesser extent because cairo is like i would i would honestly i would put it in like probably my top three horror movies absolutely yeah if i made like a, a number chart tier thing like it'd be like s tier it'd be like double s <laughs> it's like that norway oh my god like yes some of the best horror oh my god ever in in my opinion yeah and like i think even though there's a lot of janky stuff in the story that doesn't work and it's poorly written it captures that feeling that paul's yeah. original manages to capture in like really in like a really beautiful way, a really like concise way. That loses here and there, but like it's really unique to see that in a story posted online at this time period when people are posting like hyper realistic blood and Jeff the Killer <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. There are some bad and unsubtle things in psychosis, but namely calling it psychosis, but <laughs> <laughs> Overall, like, the the portrayal of, like, our relationship to technology and increasing isolation. And, like, you know, uh, as we've we've mentioned, we are recording this in, in like, the, in year yeah. two of a, of an ongoing pandemic. Give that for year two. <laughs> Woohoo! Woo-hoo. But, um, during which there was, and, and, and continues to be a need to isolate from other human beings and rely much more heavily on technology in order to interface with one another Mm -hmm. and that sense of isolation and the fact that he mentions like yeah i work from home so i don't see other people for the most part it's like oh that's a very relevant to 2022 thing in that story so captures this like mental health realism 
One, he's in a basement <laughs> due to, like, the pressures of capitalism. He's in this nasty yeah. basement apartment. And, like, okay, I haven't, I, I, doors scare me a lot, right? So, like, the fact <laughs> that there's a lot of, like, door-related horror here. Yeah, the, the emphasis on doors is so interesting. Yeah, it's, like, doors become a portal more for, like, walking and, like, stuff, because it's, it's a door, it's, it's an opening. <laughs> but, like, unknown of, like, loss of the sense of you like even if it's a friend on the other side of the door you are now opening that time up and that space up it's no longer Mm -hmm. a space and time that belongs to you and that you have complete control over because there's another person there yeah doors are a very like symbolically ambivalent kind of thing right Mm -hmm. like they are both they are the thing that protects you from the outside world, mm-hmm. but also the thing that separates you from the outside world. Oh, that's really good, yeah. The door itself is, like, the creature more than, like, the idea of them being body snatchers, right? Yeah. Un- until we get to the ending, which is very bad, where they actually are body snatchers. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> that doesn't th- that doesn't happen in my um, timeline. <laughs> <laughs> the the idea of like a world where you are menaced by your own door is a very like okay not to be like but i mean that's that's a very yeah delusional mood yeah right? like listen <laughs> listen i think there there's a reason the story resonates with me probably <laughs> and why i suggested it and why i'm like oh yeah. the story slaps silly like you know yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Relatable story, other than the bad parts of it. Yeah, the bad right? parts suck. <laughs> the, the paranoia and the feeling of, like, oh, like, this person that I am talking to, even if I am, like, seeing their face on a video, like, what if this is still fake? Like, yeah. what if this isn't real? And, like, and especially now, living in this, the, the post-deepfake era where we where we live in now, it's like there is no way to verify something without seeing it with your own bare eyes. Oh my god, right? Like, you could easily, you could do that. I think, okay, when it gets to the ending, which, but, by the way, he, the only time he really mentions another person is when he's like, the doctor's voice was authoritative and nice and older, and I wrote smirk next to that line. <laughs> <laughs> but ignoring the parts where he's writing nonsense in a hospital and there's a doctor saying, ignoring that part, that section where it should have ended, in my opinion, that would make like the story hit the hardest, is when he reaches the, like the zenith of his madness or whatever is that he's like how can i even trust my eyes when they turn light waves into electronic signals (laughs) just like electronics and i think that is such a cool cool like a cool like like yeah like that is what like what separates our brain from computers like there's like a lot of like uh speculative maybe not this is like theoretical better is a better word theoretical like physics about how we perceive the world because like the world we perceive is just like things we can't really like understand how small they are with our naked eye are just like wiggling we cannot perceive the real world we can yeah. only interpret signals that might represent the real world because of our it's not like a limitation it's just like how it's just like the optimal layout for our body so we can like recognize <laughs> fruit and stuff is like we have no idea what we're not seeing because we cannot see it with our bodies yeah, yeah like so, so many things that we cannot perceive yeah like one dark matter two like all like the like the stripes and spots and UV, like yeah. UV, yeah and like other animals can see those things like, the idea that there's a hunter or a creature or whatever that can capitalize on our inability to not be able to process those, like, things is really cool. And, like, it's cool that, like, the the climax of this breakdown is, like, the realization that we are not that far removed from, like, the technology we create. Because even our technology is going to have those blind spots because we made it. Yeah. Yeah, our, our, our technology 
it is an extension of us in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. It's 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 That's like good. um it's like bias engineering oh, in yes. in AI, right? Yes, yes. Like our our ability to create artificial intelligence as 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 we refer to it mm-hmm. is inherently limited by our ability to program certain biases yeah. into that thing. There's this burgeoning is that word starting conversation about like NFT guys or whatever gender can be in FTs. It's like a g- <laughs> guy gender neutral. People like that and like Bitcoin people and like different groups romanticize the idea of computers making the decisions for us to remove the responsibility mm-hmm. of humans in these transactions. Yeah, it's like, what do you think? Like, who made that computer? Yeah, like, who benefits from this? Yeah. Like, you can only truly automate things that are simple enough that like nobody can get hurt from it like once Mm -hmm. once there is any kind of like potential harm involved that is a process that can no longer be automated yeah the need the want to like have to make the decision and have to juggle decision against like morality and like climate and like culture and like a computer can't do right from wrong because the computer is be the basis of a computer is someone else's right from wrong. Things like morality, which is you know your your typical <laughs> stereotypical like mm-hmm. pro tech NFT bro kind of person, <laughs> wants to eliminate the concept of like moral decision making. Mm-hmm. You know, is 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 one of the arguments about mm-hmm. it. But it's like you can't. Like, that is fundamentally how we make decisions is mm-hmm. based on logic and ethics. That mm-hmm. is how, like, even even if you try to have only a rationalistic perspective on something, you are still making some kind of fundamental moral judgment mm-hmm. or ethical judgment or, or value judgment mm-hmm. in order to have the values uh, uh, upon which you base your sense of rationality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of people who, like, are like, I am rational, that stems from a place of, like, misogyny or, like, <laughs> insecurity or, like fear even, like... It's, it, is, it is a self-centeredness. It is like, I... I value rationality therefore my decisions are rational yeah it's a way to prop yourself up without having to do any emotional work and it's like the 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 devaluing of emotion to the point of like being unable to tell when you are being emotional mm-hmm. and again i think it stems from like an idea that emotional there are obviously women who are like this but like the idea is very like <laughs> It's very, like, emotions belong to, like, a lesser cast of being, and that often lands on women. Like, women are emotional as the sexist thing that people like to hang their hats on. And and a lot of the time, like, it is it is also, like, highly racialized. Like, the stereotypes yeah. of, like, especially black people and black women being, yes. like, over-the-top hysterical and angry, right? Yeah, so, like, if you're, like, you have created your race identity and gender identity around the idea of being rational because you're a rational white man. <laughs> like, before he has this, like, huge breakdown, he does turn on the TV for comfort. And I think, yeah. like, reaching back to Pulse and stuff, the it's like the way technology can, like, make, can, like stir this part of you that you realize how much you can connect to someone as opposed to like it's a technology itself is a roading connection it like makes you realize what you're you are lacking so it stirs yeah. this existentialism this like this like profound loneliness in you because you weren't even aware of the kind of pain you're in until mm-hmm. you saw others not in pain yeah and it's it is interesting thinking about like okay we have this character who is like a stem bro mm-hmm. I'm assuming white. Yeah. Because that is the demographic that generally writes and consumes mm-hmm. pasta. Yeah. Right? Is, is, is like white cis het men. So, so we have this character mm-hmm. and we see him have this full on sort of emotional mental breakdown, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, kind of a thing we don't get as much. Like usually it's like, 
And creepypastas, yeah. If a guy goes crazy, it's like he's becoming a Jeff the Killer, right? Like, he, like he's becoming <laughs> yeah. like this violent madman type. Where this, this is just, like, someone who, who is just, like, very vulnerable. Like, we don't often get to see, like, assuming this character is white, which, you know. <laughs> and even if he's not. Yeah, yeah, even if he's not. Like, just, we know that this character is a someone who says he him is in stem and like has a beard so he's probably a guy he's probably (laughs) cis he's probably straight of some sort although he's kind of fresh about the doctor so maybe not but even then we don't get to see a lot of creepypasta pro tags have this kind of emotional breakdown this vulnerability to us without it being like just said outright yeah like a legitimate breakdown and not just like being like oh i feel like i'm going so crazy yeah kind of thing we get like to see his like the mess of his apartment and like asides we see him like break down he we see him like being soft and like overprotective we see him like be emotional in a way that's not over the top some things are over the top. No, like, uh, yeah. like it's just gou- gouging his eyes out. L- listen, I forgot. Uh, let's listen. When I talk about the story, <laughs> the implication of that rips, but like the way that it is framed is pretty silly. When I talk about the story, I act like the bottom ending doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> the stuff before it. Is is my personal opinion? This is like <laughs> Wednesday's remix of the story. Wednesday's <laughs> cut of the story. The book club cut. <laughs> but yeah, and, and and in general, we don't get a lot of portrayals of, like, psychosis or psychotic disorders or mm-hmm. delusions in general that are focused on the pain that this person is experiencing yeah. from their delusions. It is usually framed around, like, oh, this person is, is a danger to the people yeah. around them. And this person is explicitly not. Yeah, he's just chilling. Could not be if he tried. He's an agoraphobe who has yeah. shut himself up in his fucking apartment, destroyed all his technology, and then hurts himself, which is a much more honest representation yeah. of most psychotic people than <laughs> anything in, in movies. This is, like, a legitimate psychotic break, and he's, like, he's, like, shivering in his room, afraid that the door's going to open. <laughs> like, this is, like, real shit. Um, <laughs> and, like, I think in a different creepypasta, like, he would be, like, I'm having this mental breakdown, but I'm right, and I need to go save Amy. Instead of, but even though yeah. Amy doesn't become an extension of, like, disgust, like a lot of creepypastas do... She's also not someone that he thinks he can save, and he doesn't go on, like, this hero quest to save her or whatever. It's nice. Yeah, there's no power fantasy. Yeah, it's bi- yeah, it's just, it's a horror story. <laughs> that's such a, that's such a common thing mm-hmm. in, in pasta, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is that it just turns, like, the SAPification of, of, yeah. of horror, right? Where everything has to be a power fantasy where you go and you save the woman and you fuck at the end. Yeah. This is this has none of that. It's a swag beast that you can easily categorize, and you have a big dick, and you save like ten women, and then you're the hero of the creepy pasta, and then everyone reposts your story and tells you how much they love it. Yeah, and then you issue takedowns of readers. And they give you money, uh, for for a Kickstarter to make a book. You make a book, <laughs> and then you <laughs> then you make a movie. In the middle of your part two of your extra long <laughs> creepy pasta, and the movie tanks really hard, and then you blame the internet, you blame socialists, and 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 yes, uh, uh, psychosis kind of avoids, even though it has a lot of the problems of its era of pasta in terms of the writing, it avoids a lot of the problems of modern pasta that were sort of starting at this yeah. time. Yeah, it feels like perfectly in the middle and you can see like the flaws, like the like the really things like are gonna start grading in the future of creepy pastas. It's like the author has managed to capture the tone of old pastas and new pastas perfectly in the middle, to the weakness of the story, mm-hmm. obviously. But it's this really interesting, like, snapshot of what was happening at this time. This would have fit perfectly yeah. anywhere at this time. Yeah. Uh, do you know where this was originally posted? Like, was it posted, like, direct to the pasta wiki or to, like, No Sleep? I don't actually know where it was OG posted. 
it is one of those things where it feels like it could have been posted anywhere yeah. because of the sort of like clumsiness of the execution with the diary. Yeah, like it feels yeah, like it feels like it was like this is a creepy pasta that was written with the knowledge of creepy pastas being a thing that people would just read and adapt <laughs> to like suspend the disbelief versus like early creepy pastas where you had to think about how it was getting received. But the way it is clunky also feels like an old school clunkiness and not like a new school clunkiness where it's like, I'm a f- yeah. fucking in a master program for writing and here's my goddamn thesis. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it doesn't sort of belabor itself in any way. Yeah. Like, like the writing is clunky in the way that you see from people who are amateurs yeah it just has this, like, and who are trying to like capture ideas but like don't necessarily have the the training or yeah. the verbiage to get it elegantly yeah this person and this person has chops too under this clunkiness so like i said earlier i'd be interested in seeing if they have fresher works and seeing how their skill developed if it did yeah like it, it would be an interesting kind of retrospective mm-hmm. If I put this on, like, a creepypasta chart, this would definitely be a BA <laughs> territory. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, like, this definitely is not the worst that we have covered. Yeah. Like, even in, like, like, just so far. Yeah. But, like, the thing about me, like, I'm so picky. Like, mm. I'm such a bitch, right? Like, <laughs> no, it's okay. I think, listen, like, okay. I think we could get into, like, how critique and criticism has become, like, a tab, not to m- misuse taboo, like, what's a, what's a, yeah. like, what's a, like, what's a, like, a less nasty use of a cultural sensitive word? Like, uh, <laughs> it's, like, people don't want to- it's, it's, it's frowned upon to give, like, harsh critique of things. Because people want to, like, network and stuff, and, like- yeah. Anyone who acts like that's not the reason is like lying to you. Oh my god! Like in in publishing right now, like I'm I'm not published, but like I I, I follow a lot of of mm-hmm. sort of like author drama on Twitter and YouTube and stuff. There's this phenomenon right now mm-hmm. where you can't leave reviews of other authors' books on Goodreads, other other contemporaries mm-hmm. of yours in, in your, like... Yeah, it's, like, rude or whatever. ...genre or whatever on Goodreads that are less than, like, four or five stars because otherwise you're, like, a hater. Yeah. Right? Like, like otherwise you are, like, bullying this person and you will be ostracized if, if, if you just, like, don't like someone's book, which is fucking insane. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's so unhelpful and so unhealthy for communities to do that, like, creative communities. Honestly, it is because people are coming up from these online spaces mm-hmm. where it is all networking all the yeah. time in a lot of fandom stuff, in a lot of, like, horror yeah. writing spaces where you are expected to maintain positivity to the point where you cannot say even boo. say like I think this could be better yeah. in X Y Z kind of like way. You, like you're like you're directly attacking this person instead of like you were sharing your insight and skills. It's seen as like yeah. an attack and not like a, a craft within itself to critique. Also, like not this not the same like kind of like space, but like just like twenty years ago, maybe ten years ago, fifteen years ago. That's a good number. Video game. <laughs> reviews were really mean right they were yeah. like really mean but now like, like unnecessarily uh, yeah 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 which is a bad thing yeah too. yeah yeah bad thing too like but now if you go to look for reviews everything has the highest markings even if the game <laughs> is like unplayable like so that's meaningless like even when things were mean you could at least understand that there are problems within the game and could play it and like build your own opinion but now everything's like five out of five and stuff for everything ever and that's not good for creative environments. Yeah, it's, it's it's not a healthy community when you have to enforce toxic positivity all the time. It's more helpful that people were cunts like 20 years ago or whatever than it is being extra nice. Right now in traditional publishing, part of the problem is that publishers are just not giving authors, especially debut authors, the kind of support and marketing that you were supposed to expect them to do even 10 or so years ago. 
And they're putting authors in a position where they have to be hustling and marketing their own work through, you know, Twitter and social media and arranging stuff for themselves. And when you're in that position, it makes the most sense to be as palatable and positive as you can with other people. And it means that if you're, like, a person who has this oversensitivity to criticism, you you can knock other people around and pressure them because they're depending on the author community, especially in a space like young adult, which is very, very clicky, in order to support themselves and drum up support for their books. And there's this serious fear of being ostracized by your peers for just, like, speaking opinions. Because, you know, people in those spaces with clout are just able to run rampant. It is good to learn how to critique things in, like, a helpful and kind way, but yeah. also, like, I don't, like, like, especially if you are not directly giving that critique to someone, it, doesn't matter. it is okay to be a bitch about your critique, right? Like, you are allowed to have opinions loudly, and that's what I do every day. That's what we're doing on this podcast right now. It's giving our opinions as loudly as we can. Right now. Right, you, you are listening to it. Back in the day, people were trying to, like, teach others how to give critique, because, like, Especially, okay, like, DeviantArt, right? A lot of things are posted. I wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't po- The way this was structured feels like this was posted on a forum and not DeviantArt. But, like, DeviantArt had opened up critiques to things. And that became, like, a really hot topic yeah. of trying to teach people how to leave helpful critiques and, like, what it meant when the author said critiques off and stuff like that. Like, it was a big old, like, cultural on DA sort of thing. Yeah. It feels like the kickback from... There's lots of there's lots of reasons why it is the way it is right now. Yeah. There was a really bad culture on sites like DeviantArt and and other places like stemming from places like Something Awful and stuff where people would harass and bully creators for doing stuff that was like weird or that they just didn't like, which like yeah. is bad. But people still do that now. People still do that now yeah. in the era of like no one gives critiques ever or says anything negative in a way that's like irony poisoned like they'll reblog something and say something like they want them to catch on in notes and it's like that's inappropriate behavior too like that has been like repackaged inappropriate behavior yeah it it pe- people concern troll now yeah much more like like people would frame it as concern trolling back then mm-hmm. but they would also frame it as just being a dickhead, yeah. like, like, oh, we're just having fun, like, haha, we're just goofing around, yeah. like, oh, maybe they should be better at the at the thing if they didn't want me to, to yeah, send them. thousands of people after them, telling them to kill themselves. That's a shitty attitude, but also now we still have that same fundamental attitude, but it's being couched in like, oh, I'm sending thousands of people to tell this person to kill themselves for their own good. <laughs> yeah, like you have now people have the moral high ground because of the language <laughs> they're using instead of like being like yeah i'm a tough internet asshole or whatever <laughs> like now you're like a wilting flower who just like cares about everyone yeah oh and 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 by the way we probably don't have to make this disclaimer i i have no idea how many people are going to listen to these at all let alone get to this episode <laughs> but like hey if we ever say like hey this person's a cunt like don't go after that person like we're just like if you do that we are here saying our opinions like yeah. if, if, if if you if you snitch tag anyone you're a dead bitch yeah <laughs> we are there now in your walls like, yeah, the, don't, the thing, okay, the thing is, like, people use this to, like, mob people for, like, their, like, horny yeah. enjoyment. <laughs> That's the same, you are no different than the people you dislike doing that. Like, you are, yeah. like, worse than them because you should know better. Like, you are the scum of the internet. Just, like, fucking chill. <laughs> it was, like, it was, like, a, like, a lot of, of the issues around Creepshow or Calvin Guerra is, is yeah. the exact same thing. Like, that is a tactic that these people have because they are just, like, nasty, abusive people who like having power yeah. and like being able to use that power to hurt people that they consider unacceptable. Lesser, yeah, it's, it's the same jam, just, like, in a different aesthetic. Like, you can put 
pink paint or whatever all over your mean girl blog, but still a nasty <laughs> thing you're doing. We got really off track of psychosis. I think it's about psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> These people gave me psychosis. <laughs> it's up to the listener to see how this relates to the text. <laughs> Yeah, you are going to have to blue curtains what we're talking about and figure out how it relates back to the original reading. Everything we say is related. (laughs) Don't worry about it. One of the things that I wanted to say just really quick Mm -hmm. as as like a like a personal thing, like when when you mentioned doors, Mm -hmm. I I noted the the emphasis on doors, too, Mm -hmm. because it reminded me of one of my sort of currently on the shelf gonna come back to it later writing projects which is about some similar ideas and like uses doors in a in a similar way yeah like it's kind of a dream logic thing about doors Mm -hmm. are angels (laughs) exactly technically yeah yeah you know, doors, doors are things that protect you. Doors are things that separate you from the outside world. Doors are things that al- allow you to go in and out of out of a place. What does it mean to, like, have a porthole and not a door? Oh my god. Do you know that fucks a lot? <laughs> I'm really into that. I'm really into, like, the idea of doors being, like, otherworldly beings. The fact that we have doors to start with is so, like, an insane thing, right? Because, like, not not every everything has doors, right? Like, at least, like, doors that open and, and close in the way that we think of, like a, like, a door. Yeah, like, what makes a room? What makes some a place that's safe? Like, like how much does a door do that for you? Think really hard about doors for a while. Yeah. It's, it's, it's similar to the concept of, like, the illusion of safety, of, like, being under the covers. Yeah. Like, that. that is a very cultural thing in the same way that a door is. A door wouldn't prevent any kind of thing it's preventing, but, like, in our mind, we can, like, see that a door is closed, and it should prevent that, because we told ourselves it would. If you have a house with glass windows, there's functionally nothing stopping someone from breaking that window yeah. and getting into your house. But that locked door sure makes you feel safe, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, like, at, at at the very end, right, like, the door gets pulled off its hinges to drag him outside. Yeah. And that's why he has to resort to this desperation move of stabbing his eyes. Like, the story is much stronger if you just, like, leave it off there without heading up <laughs> to the hospital. And, like, okay, there's the, the fear of being checked up on and, like, having your door smashed down with an axe is, like, a real thing in people's lives. Yeah. Like being fucking dragged outside, like a fucking uh, like like a medieval shaming. Yeah, like the dehumanization of like mental health, mental health, and like people's cons- people's concern for you. If okay, if we leave this ambiguous and we pretend that the stupid body snatchers thing, like, is not confirmed or denied in any way, like, and I really, really, really think the author was trying to make it more ambiguous, but the language he uses is incorrect. They use. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, I think the author was trying to give us a definitive ending so that we could have that shock twist. Because, like, it, if it remains ambiguous, you can't have a shock twist. Oh, gosh. And and your story needs to have a shock at the very end in order to be scary, right? Because there's there's a fundamental lack of understanding of like what makes a thing scary. Mm-mm. Maybe I wanted to assume that they were, like, what I want the ending to be is, like, oh, I can see how someone could use this as doublespeak, but perhaps it's not. Maybe my familiarity with the story has colored my opinion of it, like, shaded it in. Yeah. I think the author was kind of young when they wrote this. Yeah, definitely. So, like, and, and, and there is, like, especially among younger writers who have less experience... And, like, like, particularly less experience Mm -hmm. with, like, what quote-unquote serious Mm -hmm. works, Mm -hmm. there is sort of this attitude that, like, for for the ending of the book to be scary, Mm -hmm. there needs to be a, a, like, a big shock. That's true. Like, a big fuck-off twist. I wasn't thinking about, like, that, but yeah. So it's probably the intent, (laughs) but, like... Because it references that the doctor is, like, not able to control his own body, right? That that he he literally is being body-snatched. And I was like, what if... 
I think you were trying to come up with excuses for yeah. why it wasn't as bad as it was because you liked the story. Yeah, maybe that's probably <laughs> what, that's probably correct. That's probably true. Got the nostalgic glasses on. That's the thing that makes it so frustrating, because, like, if it had just ended off on the part where, like, it's implied that Mm -hmm. he's going to gouge his own eyes out, and we just leave it totally ambiguous, that's like, oh, that's, like, that's, like, a scary thing that can happen to you if you get too fucked up. Yeah, what if we just share that part? What if we don't share the ending, (laughs) and the ending becomes lost for all time? (laughs) Like, I think that would be cool for the story, personally. You can imagine... A version of the story that succeeds at what it's going for, but I feel mm-hmm. like it is kind of held back too much by the format. Trying to meet, like, a quota of some sort. The fact that the story has to be in first person for the most part, because it is like, this is like, this is a journal that someone is writing for no reason. The weakest thing. The weak, the most, like, egregious like, writing flaw or whatever in the story is the perspective switch because like dude how are we seeing this it's like i like i think it's supposed to be implied that like you know the doctors recovered the writing after the guy was taken to the hospital the doctor exclusively writes in third person is the thing and 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 like so so the whole time we have been sort of like looking over the doctor's shoulder reading the writings of john that's pretty cool but it doesn't work yeah it's like if if the whole thing was written in third person Mm -hmm. and we're still getting like that's the thing too even some of like the more tacky writing Mm -hmm. from from the middle part where it's like i don't think a person would say this in their journal if if this was being written in the third person looking in that'd probably be fine you can get away with more like you know attempts at sort of like literary style writing I guess it feels like, yeah, I guess it feels like this person is into creepypastas, but also maybe into regular, not regular writing, that's not what I mean. <laughs> like, read, like, they've, they've... Mainstream. Yeah, mainstream. Like, they have, they've been introduced to literature at some point that's mainstream, and then gone to creepypastas, because that feels like a, like a little bit what's happening here. Again, it's sort of like the way that modern creepypastas are geeked off of people who want to be, like, published authors, and not necessarily mm-hmm. people who want to, like, give you a fuck-up scare up in the <laughs> internet space online, you know? Like, there's a different, like, mentality of it. I would kind of assume that it's kind of the opposite. Mm. Like, that this is a person who is, like, maybe college-age or something who is who is writing this story and their primary exposure to literature has been like stuff that they've read in classes yeah yeah and then yeah. they also like pasta yeah so like that's why i meant as far as formatting goes like the instinctive way that they because pasta is almost always written in first person mm-hmm. at, at, at least at this point in history in like 2010 yeah, yeah, yeah. we are sort of past the point of these like micro pastas that mm-hmm. you used to get where it was like like a little short story in mm-hmm. third person or something in these sort of like this this like second wave creepypasta type story yeah that's that's what i meant though like i don't like the person yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be like a well-read whatever person they have to be like they they know of, like, structure and writing enough to know that it looks a certain way is basically what I was getting at. Yeah. And and then, like, their main source of storytelling is this sort of era of pasta where everything has to be in the first person. Shock twist. And it has to be, like, a diary or a, or a, or a journal. Like, diary is so big. Even if there was no mention at all. Like, if we never got the perspective shift at the very end, and we never got any mention of it being a diary, I would be willing to overlook a lot of stuff in this. Yeah, it really weakens it overall. If we just, like, had the impression that, like, this is this guy's thoughts. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Like, that's still, like, I probably, like, in this AU that's real, I think I'd be like, huh, (laughs) I wish this was something else still. But, like, that would be a stronger story. Because it's just, it's just held back so much mm-hmm. by the formatting. Which is unfortunate, yeah. because, like, you can tell that this person has, like, ideas and things to say. Yeah, there's, there's stuff that resonates in it, and there's little strong concepts in it. And, like, okay, I'm a big fan... I, it's a word that's just the P that I want to use, but, like, fan works. Whatever is synonymous with fan. I'm a 
big fan of concepts. I don't, like, anyone can have a concept, obviously, but I don't really agree with a common, like, sentiment of, like, concepts aren't worth anything, because I think you can have a bad concept. I think you have a good concept. <laughs> I don't think, like, yeah. I think execution is, like, 90%, but that 10% <laughs> is, like, life and death, and, like, this person has that 10%. Yeah, there's there's kind of a cliche, a cliche in, like, people talking about writing mm-hmm. right now, where people are saying, like, you don't have to wait for, like, the biggest concept in the world. Like, oh, you can make any premise work. Like, but it's like, you kind of can't. Like, no. sometimes you have to have a good premise. Like, sometimes... Sometimes a concept... Yeah, premise is good. Sometimes a concept is bad for many reasons. <laughs> like, bigotry, or it's just stupid. Like, sometimes you're just writing something stupid. <laughs> like, like, Little Hope is a game that came out recently-ish to when we were making this podcast. And, like, from the ground up, it has a really bad concept. Versus, like... Which which movie? Uh, it's, a, it's a game. It's a game for the people who did oh. Until Dawn. And it's called Little Hope. And, like, they had to have built it from the twist they planned, which is very bad. And you can have stories like that. And this story misses the mark of being bad, but it's also not... Like, the writing it does that makes it bad isn't reflected in the concept it has. Like, the con- mm. like the concept it has hits the mark, I think. Particularly in, in, in the early parts where it's, mm-hmm. like, all of the emphasis is on this person, like, second-guessing themselves. And, like, like, one of the things about this that is very, like honest feeling yeah. is is the way that like all evidence ends up reinforcing your delusional beliefs when you are in an episode because like that's a that's such a thing oh, that's just really good honest feeling i was like at least in my, my experience with this yeah. kind of thing it's either like if if something is is contradicting it it's like either my brain will find a way to like spin it into a version where mm-hmm. it's like actually that supports the thing that i believe yeah or it'll be like oh i'm being like i'm being betrayed and forsaken by people like why won't people listen to me and it drives me fucking crazy yeah that's what this person is experiencing like this twofold thing that like prevents your brain from accepting new information that contradicts that delusion when you are like in that spiraling space. And this gets this this like lands that really nicely, I think. And, like what yeah. like what undercuts it is this person I think not knowing how to structure a story, which is a technical skill. Yeah. And like probably being kind of young yeah. and not having a lot of experience with writing. Yeah. Yeah, like like, you can get as many technical skills as humanly possible, but if you have, like, if you don't develop, like, idea logic and, like, yeah, if you don't develop, like, an internal logic, no matter how good your technical skills is, your stories stories won't, like, resonate with people. They're just gonna feel empty. Mm-hmm. We can point... It's much easier to fix technical problems as well than it is to fix a lack of ideas it's hard to tell you like you have bad internal logic and you have like (laughs) you have a poor concept that's janky like because you can't fix that that's something like you gotta go you gotta get some carbon monoxide poisoning i don't you got you gotta get like (laughs) fucked up for a bit and then like okay i don't like i don't advocate like People who are like, oh, I did drugs and made this crazy thing that's stupid. But, like, you have to go get, like, some... I don't, I don't know how to build... I don't know how you would build, like, logical skill. Like, you have to go watch some things. Go go watch some fucked okay. up things. Yeah, yeah. You have to go watch some fucked up movies. Like, go go watch some movies that, like, make you very upset and make you feel bad. Yeah, like... And and I think that's a, that's a, a way to, like, without getting carbon monoxide poisoning... <laughs> Yeah, don't do that, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so I I guess our our notes overall for the author, you know, if if they ever were to hear this would be like, "Hey, you did a pretty good job. Improve your structural writing. We liked your story yeah. overall. You get it." Like, <laughs> yeah, like my gosh. You're on to something here with this one. How like like structural stuff is so easy to practice compared to like conceptual stuff. Yeah. So like nice, yeah. good job. And that being said, we are talking to a version of this author from 12 years ago. By now, he's 
probably done a lot to improve on those technical aspects. But to Matt Dimersky from 10 years ago, yeah, you've, you've, you've overcome one of the big hurdles already. Because there are some people out there in the world who are just absolutely devoid of ideas or passion. Yeah. Nobody wants to be a James Patterson. Yeah. There's just nothing going on. You've already passed that bar. <laughs> it's also, like, okay, it's also, like, inoffensive in a way. That's, like, there's, like, the idea is, like, passionate without it being, like, moist. And I think that's cool and interesting, <laughs> too. So that's nice. Yeah. So nice, it's a breezy yeah, nice it's, read. It's, it's, <laughs> it doesn't go into the territory of being, like, it, it doesn't become Jeff the Killer. That's the other thing that... The people who write Jeff the Killer stuff sure are passionate, but they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You've avoided being Jeff the Killer. <laughs> well, it looks like we're going to wrap it up there for tonight. What do you think of Psychosis? Leave a comment, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. If you like the show, go ahead and leave a like or a review. Share it with your friends. We're a small, independent podcast. We don't advertise, so we need word of mouth to grow. As always, links to the story and our social media will be in the description. On our next episode, we'll be reading Fleshgate. This has been the Creepypasta Book Club. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>